I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. My name is Steve Zigger, and I'm really curious what happens to all that recycling that we leave out at the curb. I would love to know where it ends up, how it gets sorted, um, what actually happens with that stuff. Do you feel like you're a conscientious recycler, Steve? I do it every week, but I really don't know what happens to it. If you had to guess, Steve, what percentage of your neighbors in Baltimore do you think recycle? I would guess 70%. And of all the material that we all put in those recycling bins, how much of it do you think is actually able to be recycled? I would hope that 95% of it gets recycled. Steve, this is an excellent question. I'm going to see if I can find you an answer. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks so much. Well, we're going to find our answer here in a building about the size of an airplane hangar. There's a yellow front end loader that's shoveling a mountain of recyclable junk into a pit that looks like the trash compactor from Star Wars. Today is a slow day. We might get probably about, like, on a Thursday, I'm going to use a Thursday as an example. On Thursday, we might get probably about every bit of, like, 30 recycle trucks and 17 trash trucks, so the, the power will be damn near touching the ceiling. Dondre Gray is a heavy equipment operator here at Northwest Transfer Station at 5030 Reisterstown Road. Today, he's wearing a neon reflective jacket and a Santa hat. How long you been uh, doing this work? Almost eight months, but the way I work, you probably thought that I've been here probably four years. This site is the city's collection hub for all of Baltimore's trash and recycling. There are open garage doors at each end of the building and a steady stream of trucks roll in. They back up to either a garbage pit or a recycling pit. They hydraulically poop out their contents onto the cement tipping floor and they roll out empty for their next run. All the while, the yellow front-end loader weaves in between them, shoveling the mountains into the pits. What I love about this job, because I'm a driver, is the heavy equipment operator because I like to smash things and I take my mind off of things when I'm smashing things or I'm knocking things over, so that's the fun part. The hard part is when we get too much trash or we might get too much recycle, now we gotta control both of them at both ends. You can hear birds chirping in here. They like that recycling pile. Yes, definitely. The recycling heap in here, by the way, is a mishmash of cardboard and plastic and glass. Baltimore collects single-stream recycling, and it doesn't get sorted here. More on that part of the process in a minute. But by the looks of it, we're recycling a lot of stuff. So we pretty consistently collect about 2,000 tons a month, so about 500 tons a week. Kristen Oldendorf is chief of the Office of Support Services for Baltimore's Bureau of Solid Waste. She says that number may seem big, but the truth is, not that many of us are actually recycling. Basically, our citywide recycling rate has been around 20 to 24 percent over the last few years. In other words, only one in four of us even tries to recycle. But back to this week's question. Tell me the story of... What happens to the recycling from after you throw that can in your bin? Like, walk through the steps of that process. It's a longer process than you might think. 
Well, first of all, this really gets to like why recycling is important. And I'm really glad somebody asked the question of what happens to my recycling, because that shows that they are recycling, hopefully, and care about what happens to it. So yeah, say you finish that um, you know can of something or bottle and you put it in your bin. So it all starts with the consumer. Uh, and there's some kind of key things to remember there is like putting that material loose into your recycling cart. Shouldn't it be in a bag or anything else? Uh, you should stick to the basics with recycling. So if you're looking at something, you're like, oh, I wonder if this is recyclable. It's probably not. Uh, so we ask people to keep it basic with like jars, cans, jugs, uh, bottles, and that helps us decrease the contamination. And then also just making sure those materials are clean. Uh, so then our hardworking crews uh, drive around the city. Our routes are Tuesday through Friday, and they collect the recycling from each house on the route and put it in the recycling truck. And, you know, they really are um, kind of our everyday heroes. They are out there in all weather. If you're like walking your car and you're like, man, it's so cold or it's so hot. Just imagine being out there for 10 hours a day doing, you know, physical work of collecting recycling. Uh, So they're really key in this, the drivers and workers who collect the recycling. Once those workers dump their truckloads here at Northwest Transfer Station, the trash gets compacted and loaded into tractor trailers and hauled to a landfill. And then the recycling gets compacted and loaded into other tractor trailers to get hauled to Elkridge, Maryland. There's a 50,000 square foot building out there called a MRF. That's an industry acronym for Materials Recovery Facility. Now, this place employs 170 workers in three shifts, and it's run by a national company called WM, Waste Management. They run 147 processing facilities across the country, and the one near us in Elkridge has contracts with Baltimore, Howard County, and Arundel County, Frederick County, Carroll County, and Washington, D.C. I tried to set up a tour of the site, but, you know, COVID, no deal. They did answer some questions over email, and they sent me this promotional video. WM is North America's largest recycler. This video is about eight minutes long. I'm going to spare you the extended voiceover here, but I'll put it up on the website, wypr.org curiosity, if you want to check it out. It actually has some really cool footage of this labyrinth of conveyor belts and sorting devices that the recyclables sift through. First, the workers have to pull out anything that might tangle up the machines, like wires, holiday lights, and, as we heard Kristen Oldendorf say before, plastic bags. You might have great recycling, but if you put it in a closed plastic bag, when it gets to the recycling facility, they're going to pull that out and consider it trash because they're not going to rip open the bag. They don't know what's in there. It's not safe for them. Um, So no plastic bags. So you've got all these workers pre-sorting stuff that maybe we thought was recyclable, but is just immediately discarded as trash. Hangers, hoses, there you see all types of things in there that shouldn't be in there. The folks at the WM facility say they've seen everything from helium tanks to bowling balls on their pre-sorting belt, not to mention everything that might be contaminated with rotting food. Carry out containers with like chicken bones still in there and napkins and all kinds of stuff. And like, that's not uh, acceptable. You need to like make sure um, that what you're putting in the bin is clean because it still has a long journey to go. um, And if you still have food in there, that's going to turn into trash. There's an industry term, wish cycling, that describes all the stuff we throw in our recycling bins thinking, yeah, they'll probably take that, but they don't. All that stuff gets pulled off the belt at the beginning of the process, and it adds up. We'll find out how much recycling doesn't get recycled right after this. 
You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. More in a moment. Fifteen to twenty percent of the material that we receive as recycling is not recyclable. It might be somehow recycled. Um, so something like you know a plastic bag, you can get that specially recycled if you bring it back to your grocery store, but it's not accepted in the single stream recycling. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff gets in there. I mean, I've seen like cookware, like pots and pans. Um, like yeah, in theory, that's recyclable, but not in single stream recycling. Uh, so it is important that we make sure residents are, you know, having a basic understanding of what gets into the recycling bin um, because it decreases costs for processing that material because um, there's no sense to like bringing a piece of trash all the way to the recycling facility just for it to get sorted out and then sent all the way to the landfill. Um, you know, we want only recycling going to the recycling facility. For the materials that do pass muster, there is a long and winding journey ahead at the MRF. There are rows of rotating disc screens that sort out the cardboard and the paper. Then a giant magnet removes the steel cans, and another screen breaks and removes the glass. Aluminum cans get blown out of the stream using a device called an eddy current separator that creates an electromagnetic field that shoots the cans across a divider into a storage bunker. And lights and cameras and air pressure sort plastic by its resin code. Now, once all those different materials, plastic, glass, metal, cardboard, get sifted and sorted, they get compressed into bales, which, presto, are marketable commodities once again. And then there's different buyers for each type of material who take that uh, and use it to make uh, new products. And so that's a lot of steps, but <laughs> that's kind of what happens to it. It's not a cheap process. The city's invoice from its material recovery facilities is between fifty dollars to $100,000 a month, which seems like a big range. But that's because the city's bill gets offset by the market price of those recyclables. And those prices can be affected by everything from the cost of oil to geopolitics. Take the case of China. Previously, China was um, exporting a lot to the U.S., and then they had empty containers, so they were basically buying recyclables from the U.S. and those empty containers were going back full to China uh, with our recyclables. But laws have recently changed in China. It's gotten a lot more strict about what it'll accept. So the U.S. has lost a huge customer. Supply and demand. Prices for recyclables are just starting to rebound domestically. Even at a national level, there's a lot of work going on to make sure that recycling is sustainable and strong into the future. Uh, the EPA just released the National Recycling Strategy, so it has a lot of good goals and tips in it. Uh, a lot of the like major brands in the U.S. are committed to using recycled material. Um, even our recycling carts that we're handing out right now have post-consumer recyclables in them that were used to make the carts. Um, so having a demand for that is really important, too, um, and just making sure there's like commitment to using the recyclables that we're collecting. Conspiracy theories always abound, and there's this perennial rumor that goes around where people say that Baltimore City doesn't actually recycle the residents' recycling. Have you heard this rumor? What do you make of this? Yeah. Um, I, well, I'm interested to <laughs> know what they think we're doing with it. I mean, it is true that some cities in recent years, I think smaller cities, have stopped collecting recycling, either, you know, usually temporarily. Um, but we're very committed to recycling. Um, 
the mayor is really committed to waste diversion goals. So we know this is important and, you know, to me it wouldn't make sense to like go through all this effort to collect this recycling and then put it in the trash. It doesn't really make sense. Um, and I'll say that like our, it is possible that the demand for recycling will climb again and we can, you know, there's, there is potential to make money off this material. Um, and some material has a lot more value than other material. So it just makes sense to recycle. Okay, back to our listener, Steve Zigger. Now, Steve, you ask this week's question, what actually happens to Baltimore's recycling? You've gotten a peek inside the process. What are you left thinking here at the end of this story? That was really helpful. I, I, I had no idea that only 20 to 24 percent of the people in Baltimore recycled. So it sounds like there's a lot of untapped potential out there. Hopefully this program will help people do more to recycle their trash. That number blew my mind, too. One in four people. I mean, like, I think you guessed like 70%. Yeah, I think there's a lot of untapped potential out there. I thought the other interesting thing was that what happens to my recycling is affected by geopolitics and and the the, the market on the other end, which is really fascinating. (laughs) Right, yeah. How, How do you feel like you do in terms of knowing what to put in the recycling and how to put it in there? Did you, I learned a few things in this story about what not to do. Yeah, I learned some things, too. Like hangers, you can't put those in. Right. Even though they're metal, I thought you could. So because of this program, I'll change some of my practices. Me, too. Steve, I want to thank you for a great question. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks so much for all your research, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, people will be recycling even more because of it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. I'm going to mention again, you can see a video of what happens to our recycling at the Waste Management Materials Recovery Facility in Elkridge at our website, wypr.org slash curiosity. Remember to put those recyclables into your bin loose, no plastic bags, and uh, no bowling balls either. As always, I love to hear what questions are on your mind. What uh, are you wondering about the region? What's a mystery that's got you scratching your head? Hit me up at wypr.org slash curiosity and put me to work for you. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is an original production of WYPR in Baltimore. I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Stay curious. And we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org.